Hello and welcome to Data Driven, the podcast where we explore the emerging fields of data science, machine learning, and artificial intelligence. In this episode, Frank and Andy speak to Chris Garadini about the role data plays in ERP and CRM systems. Hello and welcome back to Data Driven, the podcast where we explore the emerging fields of data science, machine learning, and artificial intelligence. If you like to think of data as the new oil, then you can think of us like car talk because we focus on where the rubber meets the road. Although there's not much of a road trip, usually on this virtual road trip is Andy Leonard. How's it going, Andy? Hey, Frank, it's going really well. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, with the exception, I might have to buy a new desktop computer, um, oh, possibly, or power supply. Literally, we were on this call, and all of a sudden, everything froze. And I was like, oh, well, blue screen, big deal. And then when I went to power it back on, it just kept keeps beeping. So I'm like, uh-oh. Beep <laughs> something, code. Something horrible. Um, so I'm going to have to do some search engine work and possibly get a new power supply or something. Uh, fortunately, uh, everything uh, is... Micro Center. Go I ahead. was going to say, Frank, everything is figure outable, right? Everything is figure outable. Uh, because of my experience with ClearDB and all sorts of other drama, I have multiple backups of just about everything. It, if Outstanding. It, you know, so it's it's it'll be an inconvenience, not a tragedy. Um, but um, every opportunity uh, to come back from a complete backup failure is an opportunity to learn. And um, speaking of opportunity, it's really good timing that this guest is here because um, I, as folks know, I work at the Microsoft Technology Center in Reston. And recently there was a um, someone, uh, we, we were on this engagement and it was very heavy into dynamics. And a dynamics is one of those things I haven't really looked into. Uh, Andy and I have been experimenting with Power Apps and Power Platform, uh, mostly to kind of help automate a lot of our content uh, production. This is crucial as we uh, continue to put the final touches on our secret project. Uh, but this guest here uh, is an expert in dynamics, as well as uh, various ERP solutions. And uh, he's from St. Louis. And his name is Christian. <laughs> I'm really blowing this intro here. His name is Cristiano uh, Garardini. Did I pronounce that right? Cristiano Garardini. Okay, good. Yeah, good. Both R's sounded out there, so he did fine. Got it. Sorry about that. Um, he's the president and owner of Turnkey Technologies, and they are a Microsoft partner. I did a look in around on their website, uh, and they are basically they provide development analytics training and support services for Microsoft Dynamics. If you don't know what Microsoft Dynamics is, a lot of people don't uh, in the data world tend to just know it tangentially. Uh, it's basically Microsoft's uh, CRM system. So welcome to the show, Cristiano. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's good to have you here. And um, so what's the weather like in St. St. Louis right now? Uh, it's beautiful and sunny today. It's about 64 degrees. Sun index is just on, right around a five. So it's actually it's actually nice. Better than the uh, the, nice. the ice we had a couple weeks ago. So Yeah, it got bitterly cold out there for about a week, didn't it? That's right. I happened to be in Florida that entire week. Everybody couldn't believe I missed all the fun. So but, uh, 
It was good. Nice. It was a good week to be gone. Uh, we left Saturday. We came back Sunday. It was 52 when we got back, and the nine inches of snow had melted. And uh, so, yeah, perfect timing. Nice. Now you have excellent timing, sir. Not only in just the fact that dynamics is kind of kind of coming up on my personal radar, uh, but also in terms of avoiding bad weather. Um, my first question is, and I'm, I'm still a noob at dynamics. I learned a lot just by working on this one uh, engagement that we had at the MTC. What what is dynamics? So Dynamics <clears throat> Dynamics is the biz apps. I mean, you said CRM, it's more than CRM. But today, Dynamics represents a, a family of products. Um, you know, the legacy on-prem products, Dynamics AX, Dynamics NAV, Dynamics GP, Dynamics SL, and then the current Dynamics 365, which encompasses both, you know, finance and operations, which was the Dynamics AX, and then Dynamics 365 Business Central, which was the NAV. So those are both ERP products. And then Dynamics Customer Engagement, which is the CRM platform. So, so Dynamics is a collection of biz apps. Um, it's a family of products. And, um, you know, today we, we focus on the, the two Dynamics 365 ERP products and the CRM, the customer engagement product. So great solution. But it's a platform also. That's what I noticed. And, 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 and folks that are, that are listening, they're like, this is a data science kind of data engineering show. Why the heck are you talking about... Um, dynamics but dataverse the data models which are uh one of the things that blew me away was on this one demo is that there's a there's a button where you just basically can dump out all your crm data uh or all your data in dynamics out to a data lake that's absolutely right azure so if you think about the the challenges where you move from a legacy system to the cloud maybe all the data doesn't move and you need to uh combine it in an Azure data like a data warehouse. And certainly all those tools and all the analytics are all part of the platform that's just, it touches dynamics out of the box. So it's quite a, quite a degree of efficiency there. Interesting. So one question I have about dynamics um, is it, it, it's history. Now you mentioned dynamics AX and, an, and a couple other letters next to the word dynamics. <laughs> Uh, once upon a time when I worked, when I lived in Richmond, there was a guy who used to do a lot of work with that technology stack and it was Solomon and Great Plains. Is that, is that the same thing? Is that the lineage? That's correct. From it? That's correct. That's correct. And so the U S based products was Great Plains software out of Fargo, North Dakota, and a gentleman named Doug Burgum owned that company privately. And then his family, they bought the, uh, the Solomon product line as well. And then in 2001 is when Microsoft bought Great Plains software. So that's kind of how they okay, consumed so. the North American products. And then a year later, Microsoft went to Europe and bought Dynamics AX and Dynamics NAV. It was called Exapta and Division. So, and that became a second big purchase. And instantly at 2002, they had four ERP products and they're in the biz apps space like they'd never been before. So, ah, okay. That's interesting because uh, I, I, now I know why there's a huge Microsoft campus in Fargo. <laughs> Yes, yes. It's a beautiful campus. Um, yeah, I haven't been there, but uh, I definitely, uh, maybe one day I'll end up going. But the, the other question I have for you, you keep saying biz apps. When you say biz apps, what exactly do you mean? Like what? Sure. What, what so I'm a, I'm a technical like? guy. I'm engineering comp sci math, and there's two directions you go in even those curriculums. You go hardcore or you or business applications. And so business applications in our context is, you know, we're, we're business process automation. Again, whether it starts in an ERP from a quote to cash or a procure to pay, those are 
business processes and the business applications support transactional processing or even non-transactional. If you think about context of a lead to opportunity to customer type of flow where you start even earlier in the process, but it is, it's process automation and exception management and workflow and approvals and can go to the nth degree of complexity, but, uh, but it's biz apps um, in that categorization. So as opposed to scientific apps or development tools or games, for example, right, we're focused on businesses, not on residential um, applications. That makes sense. It does. Um, yeah. Do you have any questions, Andy? This is so awkward being on on this recording, but not being live. So for those that are, yeah, wa- are listening or maybe watching, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to apologize to to Chris especially. Thank you for coming on here, but we're a little off because of the video. Um, no worries. I, uh, I I never shave, but. I I would have uh, I I have a, a face for uh, for radio I think and audio so that's what's throwing us just a bit although Frank and I do live streaming and stuff uh, can you tell us a little bit more about about what your company does how how your team implements these biz apps sure sure so so Turnkey is a is a direct Microsoft distributor so we distribute Dynamics licensing and then we provide 100% of the professional services to to plan to implement to convert to customize to integrate so really if you think about there's two parts of the business there's the licensing side um, and then the services side which we've got about 60 team members these days and as you think about you know delivering an implementation once a solution's been kind of articulated is project management methodology really drive the success of the project and so there's an, an intimate a detailed plan where we use microsoft project and then we plan in very very low levels of detail for project execution everything from you know the initial phases of an a- analyzing and requirements and then through design and then through development and through deployment and then we take people live but it's a very predictable methodology that's used for project delivery around the erp products um so that's that's the first spot so so you know that sounds an awful lot like what um what we do when we're doing data warehousing as well and and similar work i i would say absolutely the disciplines are you know are kind of agnostic when you think about project methodology so just curious, what is a typical engagement about how long does a typical engagement last? So, and again, we sell two flavors, Dynamics 365 Business Central. We talk about small, medium, and those projects could be three months for somebody small coming off of a QuickBooks that's just financials, but it could be six months for somebody that's implementing distribution and manufacturing, for example. So depending on complexity, three months is normally the least amount of time and, and six plus months for the business central. On the finance and supply chain, which was AX, there's a much larger applications targeted at you know mid-market enterprise organizations. Those projects are typically not being delivered in less than six months, frankly. And I've got some that we see them take 12 to 18 months, for example. So. No, I was going to say, thus the, the project management requirement, because of that duration and scope and girth, you really, people get lost, right? Anyway, I'm sorry, please. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, so the, 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 the ERM or the ERP systems, like they require, so once upon a time, I was working for a large German chemical company, right? And of course, it's a German company, so they used SAP. And they hired a bunch of consultants and consulting firms to build out the system. But when they rolled out SAP R2, I think it was, 
apparently there was not a lot of project discipline. Now I'll just I'll just leave it there. <laughs> uh, and it basically shut down some of their plants because there were just things were not coming in the way they were supposed to. So so what? How how does ERP systems? How do our ERP systems kind of you know, if they're done wrong, it sounds like they can create a big mess. If they're done right, they can really optimize operations. Um, I mean, is that is that true? Because I, I kind of saw, I mean, that was just like a horror story. It's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's like me giving you lousy directions to drive from Florida to Washington, and it takes you six months, and it should have taken you three days. There's a great example. Right. On poor guidance and poor methodology is it stretches it out. Things are missed. Costs are out of control. Um, but again, if it's done correctly through a, a thorough analysis and you really define scope and, you know, you have good business process visualization, then you drive to deliver those processes um, to that point. And, and, if, and again, if you do a good job and, and my team does a great job of, of really articulating business process, you gain great efficiency. And moreover, you get capacity to turn up the juice. Again, you can take more volume and you've, you've nice. articulated and really gotten the inefficiency out of the process and even so you don't touch every transaction you touch the exceptions so you get a lot of leverage but um, you're correct if it's done right if it's done wrong right it, it, maybe it's broken maybe it falls off the table and somebody has to pick it up and has a manual step because they didn't think through it thoroughly and and now you've got a bigger problem right and sometimes companies don't retire the old systems and they're working in two places so there's a lot of negative that can come for people that don't manage and plan and, and deliver these systems. And, and again, we've been doing this for 27 years, so well, um, you, we're pretty, pretty good at it. So, Wow. Well, you, you mentioned, uh, Chris, that, you know, when you were given examples of the typical projects links that customers are, are often migrating from other platforms, other ERP-ish Perhaps they do some of the ERP work and then you're moving them into dynamics. And as you say, once they get in there, they're going to be able to scale. It sounds like horizontally and, and, and cover more territory than the system that they were using and also scale vertically. Like you said, turn up the juice and, and just grow. Is that is that an accurate characterization? It's it's true. And if you think about why people change their business systems is normally there's a, a you know, maybe they're old, maybe they're not supported and maybe and most often they're limiting, meaning they don't have the functions they need. They can't integrate the solution. Um, you know, if they're coming off of a QuickBooks, they don't have inventory. Wow. They don't have manufacturing. So they are doing a lot of manual processes. So, so your point, sometimes we're replacing Five things they do with seven. Sometimes they only have three, but we move to eight, meaning we're adding production, we're adding distribution. And, you know, sometimes it's land and expand where they have incremental objectives, but you're correct. Normally you try to manage scope on that first phase, but you've got a vision of where we want to end up. And so the owner knows that at the end of two years, I'm going to turn on these things incrementally where you kind of push plateau, push plateau to realize those benefits. Um, And there's prioritization to that scope as well. What's going to add the most impact to the business? Sometimes the business, I had a customer that couldn't add any EDI partners. And because he couldn't do that, he was denied a retail contract with a big box shop. Well, that's millions of dollars that were at stake here. And so just by switching to Dynamics 365 and a new EDI solution, now he's adding, he's able to open up all these commerce channels. So he had a a significant revenue um, obstacle with his legacy technology. There's a great example. Is EDI the, the uh, uh, was it electronic data interchange, that old format that was basically flat files? That old files? format, yeah, well, wow. you know, 
It is not. It's like COBOL. Everybody thinks COBOL is dead, and there's probably a lot of COBOL out there still. Right. But to that point, EDI is still a platform that's used to exchange between the big, the big retailers. I mean, I've got people all day long, and some of it's going multi-channel through e-commerce, but there are these electronic mechanisms to move orders back and forth, even to third-party distributors. It's very orchestrated, and it's not paper that people are touching. So, and again, as you connect more and more channels, you've got more people to buy from and sell to. And again, it even goes into the warehouse where as you scan labels and produce labels to put things in boxes, the labeling is all totally integrated through that process. So then it tells you, oh, advanced ship notice, right? So all these communications and um, anyway, it is um, quite in place still today. I don't see it going anywhere soon. This fascinates me because you're right. It's not just CRM, right? So when I hear dynamics, I hear CRM. Part of that is my experience with Dynamics. When I was in the Microsoft sales team, uh, we have a giant implementation of Dynamics um, called MSX, which I don't know if that's secret sauce, the name of it or whatever, but <laughs> that is my only, up until this week, that was kind of my only touch on on Dynamics. And it's just fascinating that it's this whole, is this whole thing behind it, right? Um, in your bio, you, you talked about business operating solutions what is is that kind of the the overarching umbrella to these things like what's the what's that universe look like obviously there's erp there's crm uh what what other things are kind of live sure. in that sure world? and there's subcomponents so in the in the model and in our world the tip of the spear is erp and behind the tip of the spear is crm because everybody needs crm and in the dynamics 365 cloud you buy what you need meaning there's dynamics human resources now oh i'm going to add that oh i need asset management oh i need project operations oh i need field services so again you can a la carte build out from that component model essentially but you know erp is is the big animal in the room and we like to we like to own that and then extend into every aspect of the organization. And again, even Microsoft uh, Office, Modern Workplace, that's a front-end experience that with it just flows right into these business systems. I got an email, a customer wants to buy something, it's smart enough to say, hey, it's a customer, I'm gonna create an order for you, is that okay? And so even that automation through the Microsoft Office stack into the ERP or into the CRM, and then it's so all these flows can be orchestrated based on the business's processes. So, but it's big. It can get very big. That's very interesting. Beyond that core Microsoft capability and the dynamics, you know, the Microsoft cloud is there's people that have built add-on components. So there's a whole collection of additional plug-in components and even whether that's power apps or they've done power BI. But if you think about just accessorizing, right, you got the core, you know, yeah, I'm going to keep going, right? Even integration. So it's just, it just, it doesn't really end um, as you look at orchestrating, you know, your connected systems. And that's the best way to describe it. Fully connected. That is very interesting. Um, we, we have some questions we like to run through with our guests. We're going to have to adapt them just a little uh, but from uh, what we typically ask. So I will start with our, with our first one and just ask, how did you get into um, these biz apps, this whole market of biz apps, did you find biz apps or did biz apps find you? You know, it's an interesting, I think it was a survival uh, instinct because when I was a, a young lad and I was an electrical engineering student and uh, I started writing code when I was in high school, but I studied engineering. And when I switched from electrical engineering to computer science, my mom and dad said I should get a job. And I kind of laughed. I said, seriously. So I, I went and found, a, found a, an ad in the university and I showed up at a company and guess what they needed? They needed accounting software. And I ended up 
looking around and I bought great plain software from a guy and I was a, a comp sci student. I didn't wow. have any accounting classes, but that's, that's how it started back in the mid eighties. And, uh, and I bought great planes for this company and the controller taught me debits and credits. And next thing you know, this guy pulled me into the CPA firm that he worked with. And uh, then I lived in that CPA environment doing what I did for that little company, but now in a professional service capacity. So I, I joke today, um, I still have a relationship with those folks. They would have never hired me, but I got in and I thrived. So, but that was how it started. So it was kind of a, as I said, a survival instinct. I needed work to pay tuition and found Great Plain Software. And the story goes from there. It's been a good journey. It's been a really good journey. So, yeah, I mean, shrink wrap software and, and the questioning of having your parents question whether or not computer science was a viable career path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are all relics of the 90s. It's so funny, or, isn't it? Or, 80s, or yeah. The 1900s, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so. I say. Interesting. Um, let's see. My next question uh, What's your favorite part of your current gig? And you've See, been you know, doing. You've been in this current gig yeah. for a while, so you must have lots of favorite parts. But if you had to pick one, maybe two, what would they be? You know, if if and I looked at your questions, and so I get to be a solutioner still, and I get to meet people, and I get to crawl inside the business, and I get to see what they do and how they do it and how they make their money, and and then I get to come in and solution and watch them thrive because of that project. That's really the fun right now. I mean, we're very successful, but I think that the, the people, the exposure to different business. And, and we've got a lot of clients that do just amazing things. The stuff that I see people do, and, and that's that's the, the the secret sauce. I mean, I I wish I could stay involved with some of these customers, but my practice teams kind of go find the next one. And, but uh, but that's it. It's the you know, and I've learned so much about business over the years, and and I still enjoy it today because the innovation is just it's just going crazy right now. So anyway, I could share stories, but you know, yeah, I hear you. Um, we have uh, a three complete this sentence, and you did read our notes. I can tell that's great. Not everybody does, by the way. So you get you get points for that, Chris. Um, our first one is when I'm not working, I enjoy a blank. Yeah, and so when I'm not working, I enjoy being out in uh, this land that I have. It's about 35 minutes west of St. Louis. So I'm I'm out in the woods. I'm hiking. I'm playing farmer. I bought a tractor, and I'm you know just just relaxing and enjoying nature and it's quiet and there's no COVID and, you know, but that's it. That's the hobby, you know? Um, anyway. Very cool. Nice. Next question is another complete the sentence. I think the coolest thing in technology technology today is. <laughs> you might like the answer. I didn't write this thing. Um, <laughs> uh -oh. You know, it, it, and it's really introspective is it, the, the coolest thing is AI crawling through your ERP data and creating actionable insights and proactive recommendations. I mean, it's like that is, you know, if I could jump 12 feet to the left and, and I'd, I'd play with AI. I mean, I'm a, I coded and I don't get to code anymore, but that is, a, that is an area that just is fascinating. And as Microsoft is, AI is connected to our ERP systems and it's looking in there and saying, hey, you should do this proactively. So that evolution is moving quickly and a lot of people haven't taken advantage of it, but it is just, it is just neat and it learns. And so anyway, that's, that's the hot topic right now. Yeah, it really is. It is fascinating, um, you know, how all of that works. And like you said, it's gotten even more and more proactive, which uh, kind of leads into the next question, uh, fill in the blank. I look forward to the day when I can use technology to blank. 
<laughs> That's another one of those. What did I say? <laughs> when I can use technology to automate people. Um, it, it's an interesting concept. And even as you look at the ERP system that I put in to run my business and people say, really? I said, yeah, I put it in there to micromanage people. And it's a facetiousism. But as you think about project detail and tasks and a worker and a due date and, hey, how do I get this thing to to more autonomously interact with people? And so it's it's a facetiousism. But at the same time, there's there's evolution that's coming where, as you think about just people management and, again, we can't. It doesn't always work. People aren't machines. And again, but there's kind of a ha-ha there as a technologist. And even I envisioned an app for your phone that says, hey, where are you going? You're supposed to be going to this customers. You're going the wrong way. And and having a little AI bot that's a personal assistant on your phone that completes your timesheet, tells you where to go, reminds you that, hey, you need to get going. Just again, I see these things evolving and I kind of vision those. And some of my developers have said, oh, we could build that for you. And we're creeping towards that. But that's but part of it is just that is as technology supports even more human efficiency, I think is the way to describe it. We're getting there. People, people are resistant. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose, I mean, I suppose so. I mean, there's just, there, there was an interesting, it's a quote by Warren Buffett, or at least it's attributed to Warren Buffett is that he invests in companies that can be run by idiots because sooner or later they will be. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. So, and, and, and that whole automation aspect, I mean, that makes a lot of sense because there's a certain amount of, uh, and there was a, it might've been Jordan Belford. It might've been some, one of the other books I was listening to where they talk about what makes McDonald's successful isn't that they sell burgers. What makes them successful is that there's a system in place that they could take a 16 year old kid who has no experience and have them make burgers. Like, it's just interesting. Like the process kind of makes the company or it makes the company run better. I think that it's, it speaks to automation, right? It speaks to making these processes more efficient and even interacting with humans as part of that as well. You know, as you think about bio biometric type of attachments and people having wearable technology, again, you see a lot more coming in terms of people automation, especially healthcare first, right? Healthcare is going to happen first. So as you think about that, so neat stuff. Interesting. Our next question, we're, I think we're done with the fill in the blanks, but our next question is um, share a different fact about yourself, um, you know, kind of a random thing. Uh, but do remember, this is a family show and we like we like our iTunes clean rating. Yeah. So so I grew up I grew up in St. Louis and uh, I was an Eagle Scout. So a lot of people don't know that. Oh, and cool. I had somebody ask me just recently, says, how's that impact your business being an Eagle Scout? Well, it's it's accountability and it's a lot of things. And if you know, you remember the Boy Scout motto, if you were Boy Scouts. But I share that with people just because it's it was a leadership program I experienced at a very young age. And I'm not doing a promo for the Boy Scouts necessarily, but it was impactful for me. And so if you look at how I drive myself through life. Principles, right? Principles. Eagle Scout, it was a good thing. And uh, most people don't know that. They see some people see that in the bio, but uh, it has been really something that was good for me. And I've, I've tried to do that for my children as well as you set those examples and, and give them early leadership. But leadership's important. So here I am, right? So totally concur. Yeah. So where can people learn more about you, Chris? Sure. Um, website is the best place to, to hit. It's turnkeytech.com, uh, T-U-R-N-K-E-Y-T-E-C.com. We've got live chat on there. Uh, anybody can get to me. Uh, again, I don't charge for my time to talk solutioning for customers that have needs that want to want to ask, okay, can I an ERP help me make more money or drive my business or make my workers happier? I mean, those are all things. But yeah, go to the website and uh, you know if you, you fill out a form, ask, say, I want to talk to Chris and I'd love to have a conversation with you and uh, see how we can help your business. 
Awesome. Fantastic. Um, do you have any book recommendations? Uh, audio um, audio uh, books are my favorite. Um, you know, and Audible is a sponsor. Um, so any any books you recommend, audio or otherwise? I am unfortunately I read so much, but I don't I don't pick up books per se. I mean I so I can't really point you to anything. Even the audio books, it's it's funny. The last couple I is the Angels and Demons, and I read those. And when I picked up the book, I was antisocial all of a sudden because I work so much. And there's so to switch over here and pick up a book and just and I can turn everything off. It's like okay anyway. So so not books, but lots of online content. So sorry I don't have anything great to share. Um, lots no, of content cool. on I mean, Microsoft's I mean, site. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what's fascinating to me is that there's this whole world, and I don't know. I, I mean, I, I don't want to speak for Andy, but you know, this whole dynamics world, the whole going back to when I was at at that consulting company in Richmond, um, you know, the dynamics folks, there were like three or four of them. They kind of, uh, not dynamics, it was still Great Plains and Solomon at the time. They kind of stuck to themselves. You know, and I don't, I don't know why that is. I mean, it, 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 it wasn't so much, it wasn't an adversarial relationship like you had with developers and AI people, right? <laughs> I mean, not de developers and data people. Sorry, I got AI on the brain. Um, but it was more like, you know, I don't know. It was more like, we don't even know what they do. Like it was like, <laughs> you know, for, from a developer's point of view, the data people always said no to us, right? <laughs> That's and our job. But from, but but exactly, it's their job. Uh, but but with the uh, with the dynamics and kind of ERE people, ERP people, they, I, you know, they, they just didn't even talk to us. It was the same when I was at that big German chemical company, right? Where you know there was kind of the web development teams, there was the application development teams, kind of enterprise development stuff, and then there was the SAP people. And the SAP people kind of had their own like wing of the building and rarely did we interact. So that's just that I just, for me, it's this, it's this, it's this parallel world that is like just right next to me. <laughs> and I've always kind of interact, I never interacted with it, but I've always been next to it, but I never went into it. It's kind of like, you know, you, you live, it's like that restaurant that's near your house, but you've never been there. So it's just kind of like, it's weird, like, and, and weird in a good way. It's just like, and I, I only been exposed to it over the last uh, maybe two, three weeks. Have I really kind of un uncovered the power of the power platform, right? The whole low code, no code thing, right? Because I was being that snobby. I used to be, I was a software engineer um, for the longest time. Now I do AI and data engineering. So for me, it was like, eh, I want to write code. And then as I realized, you know, there's a lot of little projects I want to do. I just don't have the time to write the code. If I had the time to write the code, I would have written them years ago. So slowly, I've been doing today. I've been kind of doing some little experiments where I can kind of, I when I do a live stream, for instance, I actually have it uh, a Power App Flow. I think that's what it's called, Power Automate, uh, whatever it is. It goes and it basically pulls the video from YouTube and creates a blog post on my site. And so I've been kind of doing little things like that. But after seeing this demonstration of what Dynamics kind of all up can do. It's just fascinating. There's this whole world that's like right next to me uh, that I never really worked with. Just... And, you know, one comment I'd make, it's, you know, the buy versus build. So we come back in the 80s, we yes. had to build a lot of stuff. And in the 90s, we still had to build a lot of stuff. And today we start with such a application and governance and security and even on the, the CRM side, the extensibility and power extensibility and the comments I make is it's all under the same governance. 
So, but you're right. It's a big palette and there's a lot to start with. And I think, you know, as we talk about data and we didn't really talk about, but the data models behind these applications are extensible. They're dynamically extensible. I go add fields, I can add entities and it just grows. And so the ERP systems, they grow. So to your point, extensibility is huge, massive data model. Do we have to build a data warehouse? Again, we're starting with a different premise. We have so much of it already that where's the net, where's the gaps? And a lot of times we'll bring all the data into dynamics. So it's all in the same data model because we can extend the entities without any pain there. Why do we go to Azure Data Lake? Well, maybe we've got a ton of on-prem data that we'll never put that in the ERP. Great, we need to marry them up so they get composite views. But data, data is a big part of the world, um, especially as we deprecate legacy systems and we look at thoughtfully, how do I move all of this data in here so I light up all the analytics, all the BI, and that the AI can find everything that it needs to make decision points. So, uh, but it is, I tell people, it's very complex. My, my stuff's not simple. If I showed you some of the solution models, you'd be like, okay, yeah. And that's why, it, it just, but like I said, there's lots of challenge there. And for you to be able to do low code apps, absolutely. Your, your hands are untied and they've, they've come so far in helping people be creative and actually create tools that they need. Even in my org, as we upgrade our latest product, we were Dynamics AX, moving it up to the 365 cloud. I can step back and my team can innovate. They're going to build power apps. They're going to they're take the business, my business, to a new place as they innovate through their teams. I'm so excited about that as an owner. Imagine people that choose that platform have no idea how they're untying hands of individuals to take things further. That's a big, that's a big compelling story right there. So. That was going to be my, one of my questions is um, it sounds like there's an awful lot of work you're doing, solutions you're delivering in the cloud. Are you still doing stuff on premises? We service um, a book of about 350 on-premise customers, Dynamics GP, Dynamics AX, Dynamics NAV and SL. And again, the goal is we're moving them all up to the cloud. Um, you know, if they don't want to leave GP, they can move into a data center. So we, we have partners for hosting. But yes, um, all the projects are all, everything everything new is Dynamics 365. 85% of it is ERP, wow. about 15% for us is CRM. So a lot of ERP. I've got a lot of accountants, a lot of CPAs. So accounting, and that's the word we didn't mention. There's a lot of people, they don't want to do those projects. So CRM, they'll do them internally. ERP and accounting, they, they want to use an external firm to get the accountability and the certification. So it's very interesting as well. To your point about, oh, leave those, they're accountants, right? <laughs> they speak a different language. Uh, there is some, some ha-ha there. It's just like infrastructure people versus apps. I'm apps. I'm not infrastructure. We're two different animals. You know, rate of change right. is dramatically different on the infrastructure side. We've got good rate of change on the, on the biz apps as, as Microsoft's innovating. But again, some, some big differentiators um, in that space. So, But the data and AI guys, you're on our team. You're biz apps guys. You may say data, but. It's not like working with hardware. So you get to be on our side. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what what language is, is Dynamics in? Well, I have two questions. One, uh, is it possible to have a hybrid system where people do have on-prem kind of Absolutely. Dynamics implementations and 365? Is there, because Azure Data Factory, as Andy knows, has something called the integration runtime where you can kind of share data between them. Is that, a, is that an option in the Dynamics world? Is that a bad idea in the Dynamics world? So, great question. So, yes, you can have hybrid, and there's some organizations that run 7 by 24 and multiple shifts, and they have an on-prem, and they have a cloud, and there's a, a replication synchronization that happens in case the cloud is down. They can continue to run operations. Um, hybrid is a great word. In the, um, in, the GC, in the government cloud space or in the government contractor space, they need to be in GCC high. You actually have to deploy 
365 like an on-premise application in the GCC Azure high cloud. And so where's more cost? It goes with that because guess what? You're outside of Microsoft's maintenance umbrella. When you're in D365 cloud, you get all the maintenance. You get all the updates. So you move over here in on-prem, you own it. You lose your SOC compliance, right? Because Microsoft can't attest that no one can get into the SQL Server. So yeah, there's there's trade-offs. There's feature loss when you go into an on-prem model, but absolutely you can you can hybrid out those situations and people put critical functions that have to run all the time local. And there's just you're saying there's a there's a service loop to um, replicate data wherever needed. So interesting. What programming language is used in um, in in Dynamics? I believe to modify the 365 FNO, they're using X++, which is an evolution, C, C-sharp. You, you get it. So they call it X++. I think it's a okay. C-ish type of language. I don't code in that one. I, I stopped at C back in the day. So, But there's yeah. a lot of other augments, uh, a lot of other tools. C would scare people. Off. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah, and, and, and like, because it's just fascinating. Like, there's this whole product that is there, and it's just like, it's it's... I never looked into it, and I'm, I'm definitely fascinated because it, it ultimately it becomes a way to, like you said, I mean, it becomes a, a data collection mechanism Absolutely. or a data management mechanism. You Absolutely. know, um, I would never have thought of using EDI. I used to do so. Fun fact: when I was at Barnes and Noble, one of my first things I wrote there was an a, an EDI parser for Informix 4GL. So I have fond your... memory. I when, I when when I was shocked at EDI, it wasn't like mocking it it was a little bit of nostalgia um but um <laughs> uh i i mean it's just it's just a, it's it's a, it's an interesting take at it because in some ways data engineers data folks are solving very much the same problems but you have a framework i mean is it fair to say that there's a framework around this exactly just space right. that you're in not that we don't have frameworks but like it just seems like there's a a, a more defined kind of purpose and and framework to building an, uh, an ERP. And, and there's different approaches, meaning the developers, they want to build it. Guys like me, even though I was a developer, it's like, let's buy this and just do the gap. And so there's different right. mindsets. And a lot of developers and data warehouses, oh, we're going to build a data warehouse. It's like, you don't need to. I've got 98% of it here. Let's just add the missing dimensions and elements and it's right here. And we can put BI on it. You know, why do we need an Azure data? But just different approaches to, to solving the problem. And, uh, to your point, you know, a lot of times they don't think about, oh, wow, I could get this app and almost everything's there and I don't have to figure out security and all that. Great. So, again, a lot of people build one-off apps. So what did you build your parser in, I have to ask? Uh, the Informix 4GL language. Oh, you used Informix. I forget okay. what it was I called. Wrote, I wrote an EDI yeah, parser as well. Years ago, I think I wrote mine nice. in Turbo Pascal. So I Turbo Pascal was in my nice. world back in the day. Yeah, small world. I, I wrote it on a, uh, I think it would have been Windows 3.11 uh, using the Xseed yeah. X terminal software to our Unix box. And I remember I hated it and it was in VI. And the first two weeks of VI, I despised VI. But then afterwards, I realized that I could create my own macros in VI by basically firing up Notepad and kind of taking different as uh, like basically sending doing send keys basically so i had copy paste and i had like these all these macros that would fire off yeah that was uh wow it was back in the day let me this tell you is a story. sounding a lot like your your uh, power apps uh live stream recently frank yes <laughs> you're still on send keys so i'm still on send ahead, keys. Chris. 
<laughs> so funny, funny story. So my first, I started Turnkey in 94 and my first project I had a guy bring me was, uh, it was with Burger King Corporation, believe it or not. So I'm a young guy and, uh, and they, they needed to integrate with FedEx because they were shipping materials to 5,500 stores globally. So it's changed now. It's all electronic, but back then. And so what did Burger King have? They run in a mainframe. And so they would give you a file with the 5,500 records in it. Guess what? No, no delimiter, no carriage return, no line feed. So you'd open up a notepad. It's like, oh, it's, it's, and so you think about how do you, how do you, what do you do? So I, I had written a macro assembler. So I took assembly language. I was low level bithead and I had a macro assembler that I took a project from school and it took that Burger King file and chopped it up and just put the little hex carriage returns and line feeds. And I integrated FedEx with Burger King Corporation back in 80, late, late 80s. So magical back then, but you're thinking about those little techniques you learned about parsing data. And so, but it's amazing how, how far things have come. It really is. So, but that was an early success. Well, that's awesome. Uh, where can people learn uh, a learn how to, 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 to get started in dynamics? Like what, what's a good resource for learning? Cause I'm sure a lot of folks are like me that are like, I don't know if I ever want to touch that, but now that we kind of lit a fire under them that no, there's data in there. <laughs> like, uh, where can people learn? What's a good resource book or uh, video or otherwise? Sure. Sure. Um, so certainly I, I'll promote our website, turnkeytech.com. We've got a ton out there, but more more is Microsoft, docs.microsoft.com. I mean, so you go out there and search and you get to the Microsoft documentation site. There's everything. There's the books. You can drill down. You can get into the entities. You can learn about APIs, read about APIs. There's a, a whole set of learning libraries. So as you think about people getting started on this and trying to evaluate, whether it's an ERP or CRM, all those resources are really profound on Microsoft's website. Um, they've done such a good job and thoughtfully. So, and there's a lot of people that'll jump in and try to help. So, um, but that's what I would say. Lots, nice. lots out there. Awesome. And turnkey.com, is that what it is? Turnkey, turnkey Tech. T-U-R-N-K-E-Y-T-E-C. No H on that guy. So, but turnkeytech.com. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's been an enlightening um, kind of talk about um, uh, the whole notion of, of CRP, uh, ERP and CRM, which is stuff that I just never really, you know, never really thought about as a, as a data platform. But, you know, after seeing kind of the presentation that I saw uh, at work and it was just like, wow, like, and then what got me excited, perhaps it's rather unusual and weird is the whole ability to just dump all the data from CRM or from dynamics into a data lake. Once it's in a data lake, data lakes are kind of my jam. So I'm, I'm cool with that. But, but I mean, the ability to kind of pull that out, you know, wholesale was just fascinating. And, 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 you know, again, I work for Microsoft. I'm not trying to make this a sales pitch, but I mean, there is something to be said for what you said. All of this is under one governance model, which no one gets excited about governance. Well, I'm sure somebody does, but like governance is one of those things that you have to do. It's the cost of doing business. But, you know, the fact that you kind of have it all in one house is just amazing. That's right. So I definitely have some reading to do. That's for sure. Andy, do you have any parting thoughts? No, I love the show. Thank you, Chris, for joining us. Really appreciate you taking your time. Um, I learned a bunch about the capabilities, and I think I, I keyed mostly off of your enthusiasm for it. I love to talk with people who uh, exude confidence and and passion about what they do. 
and you've inspired me as well to uh, to go dig a little bit more at uh, at at your website and at docs.microsoft.com. I can be of service in the future. Don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you. Chris. Awesome. Thanks for joining. And we'll let the nice British lady finish the show. Thanks for listening to Data Driven. We know you're busy and we appreciate you listening to our podcast. But we have a favor to ask. Please rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you subscribe to us. You have subscribed to us, haven't you? Having high ratings and reviews helps us improve the quality of our show and rank us more favorably with the search algorithms. That means more people listen to us, spreading the joy. And, can't the world use a little more joy these days? Now, go do your part to make the world just a little better and be sure to rate and review the show.